Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. I was kind of expecting a welcome back rather than just a simple hello, but I guess it will do. I guess it will do. Uh, that's all you get. That's all you get. No, I'm kidding. How How's it going, Tom? How are you? Welcome back. How was Porto? Porto was very nice, I have to say. I think, as I said before, I, I flew out there. Unfortunately, no theme parks in the vicinity. Portugal doesn't have a big theme park industry anyway, but certainly not in the vicinity of Porto. And so I don't really have anything of huge interest to theme park fans to report back on, but there were a few bits and bobs, I suppose. I I, I went on a boat ride. People might have seen. I, I, I reported back on that on the Park Crush Twitter page. That was probably the closest I got to a theme park experience. That looked fun. It, How was that? It was it was actually pretty good. I think I described it as sort of better than it has any right to be. It was yeah. basically in this little museum called World of Discoveries or something yeah. like that. And it was dedicated mostly to the history of Portugal and how they had, uh, you know, been a major seafaring nation and and how they explored the the new world and 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 spread their culture around and and brought That's back new cultures it. to Europe yeah exactly <laughs> would you believe that it was quite a glorified take on history <laughs> i Who can't believe thought? they put a lovely nice spin on it yeah indeed but there was some like you know fun interactive elements there were these weird sort of point and click adventure game type exhibits where the way in which you could bring up things to read essentially was to tap on these massive touch screens and direct this little character around to inspect bits of the environment. There were sort of scale models of ships and some decent sets and and, and scenes to walk around in. And then, yeah, this little boat ride at the end, which was basically it's a small world but instead of being sung at incessantly, you were treated to some narration again about kind of the history of Portugal and how it spread joy throughout the wider world back in the day. And yes. uh, yeah, there was some, there was some fun effects. Uh, there was a bit that felt very Pirates of the Caribbean. I half expected someone to bellow out of the speaker system, dead men tell no tales, but unfortunately, that was not that forthcoming. Was, that was uncanny, Tom. There was no drop either. No surprise oh. drop. No. What's the that point? Was a bit disappointing. Uh, in fact, actually, the best ride I went on during the whole trip was uh, uh, was a funicular, which I didn't actually know what a funicular was. I love a funicular. I literally just saw it and thought to myself, whoa, that looks like shikra but public transport is basically a way of because porto is like an incredible it's an incredibly picturesque city and basically i think it's fair to say that a blind man could take a beautiful photo of porto uh, part of the yeah. reason of it's a coastal it's right on the river uh, it's, it's quite near the coast as well but the, the kind of main part of the city is, is on the river it's separated by the river the duro 
but it's also just right, incredibly right. layered. It's very hilly. You know, if you've got bad knee, bad knees, it's not somewhere I would recommend. Uh, to be to be honest, cobbled streets and and all on a hill. But it does mean that basically wherever you are stationed in the city, the the sense of depth and kind of the layers to any image that you take is is kind of incredible. It, That's awesome. it truly looks amazing. Uh, and so yeah, this funicular was basically a way of kind of moving up the city from from the riverside, uh, the Riviera. Uh, up more into the centre of the city. It was a fun little ride. I only went up. I didn't go down. Uh, I'd imagine going down it. I I don't know how thrilling that may well have felt. Maybe that uh, would be, it, maybe that would have been the way to do it. Well, Tom, if you want to find out, there uh, there is one in Hastings, on the coast uh, down there. I believe that goes up to um, used to be some smugglers' caves up there that you could then visit. So. Uh, I don't know if they still exist, but maybe you should check out that sometime. Maybe I should. So you've been on a funicular then? Have you been on that oh, one? Oh, yeah. I, I love a funicular. I haven't been... I've been on the one in Hastings. There used to be two. I don't know if they're both running anymore. Um, I have been on both in Hastings. Um, not been to Porto yet, so I haven't been on that one. You, uh, you lucky devil, you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have... I, I guess I, I'm somewhat lucky in that I've been... I've been able to experience a few of these kinds of throwback forms of transportation. These kinds of very, they felt very novel to me because I haven't just been able to do a funicular, but a paternoster, is that the correct? Oh yeah, paternoster lift. A paternoster lift, yeah. Which, you know, if if, if, if a funicular is like Sheikra for public transport, then a paternoster feels like it could very quickly become tower of terror of Ooh, elevators yeah. it wouldn't take a lot for that to get a bit dicey but we used to have one of those at the university of leicester so that was always yeah, uh... that was always fun if you had a lecture up at the top of that building you you knew that you had the opportunity to get on the paternoster did you ever go over the top tom i don't think i did no and obviously you were encouraged to get off before it went to the very bottom and looped back round yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there were some rebels over the years who have who have stayed on the whole way, but they they've never been seen again. There are there are stories of uh, actors, uh, you know, British actors and British directors that have been to the one uh, at the University of Sheffield, at the library there, um, and sometimes it will come up on Graham Norton, you know, talk show or something like that. Um, yeah, so the one in the Sheffield li- University Library is is semi famous, I would say. Hmm. I I I just imagine it as being like if if I'd gone all the way to the bottom of the Paternoster at Leicester, it would have almost been like a what's the forbidden floor in Harry Potter? <laughs> so the forbidden oh, is uh, it a forbidden floor? Well, there's a forbidden forest, but isn't there yeah. isn't there like a floor in Hogwarts where no one's allowed to go? It's where the three headed dog is. I'd, I'd imagine yes, that fluffy. that is where yeah, Fluffy. Uh, there's a three headed yeah. dog at the bottom of the Paternoster in Leicester. Guarding all the exam <laughs> results. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, some fun ways to get around. I don't know if there was anything else that I did in Porto that would appeal necessarily or was even sort of tangential to a theme park experience. Did you, uh, did what you about walk a cho- across the bridge, Tom? Oh, of course I walked across the bridge. Well, Porto is full of bridges. There, there are more bridges than people. 
I don't, I don't know why there are so that many bridges. But as someone who's grown up in Dartford, where we rely on one bridge, basically, to get across yeah. the Thames. The bridge. Much, yeah, the bridge. And, uh, you know, a, a key complaint, a key point of opposition to the London resort over the years has been, well, we just don't have the infrastructure uh, to, to cope. You know, the traffic is a nightmare around here already. Uh, it will only get worse. And well, a major reason for that is that the only route across the Thames, which is a key route, it links Kent and Essex, is the Dartford Crossing. But Porto, no such issue. You can't walk five yards without but someone like directing you. Please, sir, please cross this bridge. Cross this bridge. <laughs> I went on a cable car as well. I guess that was... Oh, I love a cable car. Uh, yeah, it was a good. That was quite a good cable car. And uh, oh, I went to a chocolate factory. Was so Charlie there? Chocolate. There was not, to my knowledge, no. Oh. Uh, there was. Uh, it was basically Willy? like a. Cho- <laughs> it was basically well. It was a chocolate museum, followed by a chocolate factory. Uh, it's a Portuguese chocolate company, and I, and I, it's bad of me now that I've already forgotten what the name Is of the it company the Portuguese was. Portuguese chocolate factory. No, it wasn't. But it was. It weirdly, it was. It it did feel a bit like Cadbury World, if anyone's been there. But whereas Cadbury World is very accommodating of kids and kind of has fun with the story of chocolate, if you like, uh, this feels very up itself, <laughs> and it's sort of like it. It talks about chocolate in. And the discovery of chocolate and the ingredients that go that go into chocolate and the history of chocolate in very sort of profound ways and, and it all feels very dramatic like it's been written oh, for a film and great. it almost feels like you're being indoctrinated into some sort of cult of chocolate uh indoctrinated if you will is it, uh, is it the chocolate story chocolate museum porto yes that is wow, it, it was, porto Yes, it's at a place called Wow, which is, which is a strange sort of construction. It's, uh, I guess you could describe it as a collection of exhibitions, shops, restaurants, which have been built kind of in these old wineries uh, and okay. cellar buildings that were used to describe. Because you know Porto, famous for port, would you believe? What? Yeah. And uh, among the kind of exhibitions and uh, and various other things that that make up this this wow uh, location uh, is oh, this got, chocolate. They got all sorts there: uh, the wine got... experience, the Pink Palace. Pink Palace, yeah. I was a, I didn't look into that one. I was a bit suspicious of the Pink Palace. It's a kind of vague enough name. It could have been about anything. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a, a a nice name for a family show. Uh, the Bridge Collection. Uh, <laughs> So. Yeah, I can't. I'm still struggling to uh, work out what the chocolate brand was that was associated with the chocolate story. It doesn't really seem to have been mentioned on the main website of the uh, chocolate story. But oh well, I'll, I'll get back to you because I did buy some chocolate and it's downstairs, so I, I can report back. I'll, I'll tweet about it or something like that. Perfect. There was a, there was also an aquarium which I nearly went to. I got as close to the entrance and then decided, ah, you know what? I think a better use of my time is just to lay on the beach because it was such a beautiful day on that particular day. So I I didn't go to this aquarium. It was just it was called Sea Life. 
It was right uh, by the beach, and I understand you can do it in about an hour and a half if that. So, is that uh, not the? I was tempted. That, I'm pretty sure that might be a Merlin brand. It is a Merlin brand. Yes, you're right. Sea Life was a Merlin brand. In fact, some of the uh, some of the, the the text on the website almost implied that there may be other Sea Lifes somewhere. Oh, there there are tons of Sea Lifes, Tom. Oh, there are. Uh, the big oh. one in the London Aquarium is a sea life, I'm pretty sure. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Um, I have been to the yeah. London Aquarium, but I was a kid and I just have always known it as the London Aquarium. Uh, there is one in Alton Towers. Uh, there is one in Hastings. Oh, do you have to get on the funicular to get to that one? Unfortunately not, though. No. But it is at the bottom of the funicular. So you could do the aquarium and then take the funicular up to the uh, Smuggler's Caves, I guess. Oh, Okay. Cool. Hastings Hastings sounds kind of awesome. You've got smugglers' caves, a funicular and an aquarium all in touching distance. So maybe Crazy I should check Hastings. Crazy golf. Damn. Maybe I should uh check out oh, Hastings. Hastings. Hastings Castle as well, uh on the up by the smugglers uh caves, uh, which is I think it's, it's ruins now, but yeah. Just coming up with new holidays idea holiday ideas. Here That's what and we're now. Here for, Tom. I guess I should say as well, by the way, that in the couple of days since I've been back, the kind of Florida planning has kind of gone into overdrive. So, uh, yeah, tickets are on the cusp of being bought, I would say. Oh. And uh, it's all feeling more, a bit more real. Unless, of course, World War breaks out at some point, which, given the world's, uh, it seems to me anyway, determination to prevent this Florida trip from ever going ahead. Nothing would surprise me at this point, you know. Uh, yeah, no. Um, there's also a, a, a train on the along the Hastings uh, beach as well. That you can <laughs> do you get, like, do you just train. work for Visit Hastings or something? It's yeah, just, <laughs> Visit Hastings. Just every few minutes the, tonight, you're going to be like, oh, by the way, another thing about Hastings. Park Rush Podcast brought to you by Hastings. Uh, well, look, you know, tourism has suffered massively during the pandemic. I'm not. I think if we were going to get a sponsorship deal from anyone, I think we're more likely to get one from Visit Hastings than Ben and Jerry's or the various other brands that we have that we have plugged uh, openly to uh, to no benefit yes. of our own over the years. <laughs> You're probably right. That <laughs> uh, oh well. Oh, I should put on my record, on the record, on my record, on the record, on your record. My, my thanks. I'll put it on my record as, as well. Uh, my thanks to, to Pastor John himself for filling in so oh. so wonderfully last week. Better than, than me, to be honest. I mean, who would have thought that a theme park podcast would be improved by the presence of genuine insight and experience uh, when it comes <laughs> to theme parks? Uh, that would never have occurred to me before, Josh, but it turns out it does, in fact, make... Think part podcasts uh, more enjoyable and interesting to listen to. So uh, it's, yeah. good, it's good. It's who, good to who, know. Who would have guessed? Uh, John is always great to have on. Um, you know, outside of that podcast, we spent like another hour talking about various theme park related things. Um, it's always great to talk to him. I almost feel like I should uh, relinquish my role to to Pastor John. I feel like never, you know. never, Tom. I mean, you're the better host here. I mean, I uh, I got out of the gate stumbling blocks. Or got out of the blocks a bit early, stumbling. I oh, know, stumbling over this analogy now. You are. Uh, stop. Just stop. Just talk about Hastings. Yeah, 
Hastings. Uh, it's got a fisherman museum. Uh, okay. And a shipwreck museum. A uh, great place to get fish and chips. And there are some amusements. Uh, and uh, there is a little bit of a, um amusement park area down there as well. Little go-kart track. Uh, there's a Ferris wheel. And I think there's some other stuff down there. One thing I think I, you know, as, as well as loving Porto in and of itself, I really did, really did love the place. I also, it also, I was also grateful to it, I suppose, for kind of allowing me to remember how fun traveling could be. And it's kind of, you know, I've, got, I've kind of got the bug again. Uh, not that one, but uh, like the travel bug. <laughs> yeah, not COVID. So, no, not COVID. Still COVID free. Uh, touch wood. COVID-free since 93. COVID-free, yeah, exactly. I mean, wearing a mask for that, I mean, because Portugal is still pretty hot on mask rules. Uh, on my day travelling back to the UK, for example, I basically, given that it was a pretty short walk anyway from my apartment to the metro station um, to get to the airport, I essentially wore a mask from when I left the apartment until I got picked up from the station local to where we live so that would have been about seven hours i reckon of having a mask on yeah i take it i took it off at the airport briefly for a for a coffee which by the way coffee prices in porto are shockingly reasonable to the point where it's very obvious to me now that for whatever reason we are being massively fleeced by coffee prices when it, at, at the coffee the big coffee brands that we subscribe to in the UK whether it's Costa or Starbucks or Pret or any of Shock. them the, the the price of a coffee is madness like I I, I was having better coffee. Uh, for less money, substantially less money uh, in Porto, whether I was in a really nice cafe, whether I was having one after dinner at a nice restaurant or whether I was just at the airport. Tom, you don't surprise me. The coffee here is bad. Um, I mean, I think coffee is bad anyway, uh, but we are a tea nation. There is a reason we're a tea nation because we don't know how to make coffee. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I don't particularly like tea. Uh, but to be fair, it's a bit touch and go whether I enjoy any one cup of coffee that I have. There are times where I'll have a cup of coffee and genuinely be like, oh, yeah, coffee. And then there will be times <laughs> where I have a cup of coffee and I'm like, Jesus Christ, why do I? Why did I just put that in my mouth? And why do I do it so consistently? <laughs> that's what she says. <laughs> Oh, and uh, yeah, so this has been 22 minutes of uh, discussion about nothing to do with theme parks. Uh, John, please come back, save us from ourselves. Should we talk about theme park stuff now, or uh, I don't know, any any more Hastings news before we... Uh, No, I'm going to go with no. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, great. Yeah. There is a pier, there is a pier. Oh, there's a pier. Oh, okay. It's a boring pier, but there is a pier. What makes it a boring pier? Or what makes There's a pier exciting? Uh, What's the best pier? Like, um, 
some piers have like amusements on them and like some rides. Like the one in uh I don't know what it's called, the one in LA that is also in GTA has a uh, rides on it. Some of I them are really long. Blackpool has really a, long ones over here. Blackpool has a pier, right? It doesn't that have a Ferris wheel on it or something. Yeah, something like that. Right. But Blackpool's got a theme park, Tom, so you know. That is true. Uh so I guess you could argue that you know, for all the ways in which I've waxed lyrical about Porto, it's no Blackpool. Yeah, there's a reason Hitler didn't bomb Blackpool, Tom, in the war, and that's because it was going to be the uh, Algarve of the Nazi Empire. Of course, that, or maybe that's he just likes true. By the way, he just likes theme parks. He's a big fan of theme parks. Uh, was a th- was uh, well, he's, you know. The conspiracies would have you believe, Josh, that he's he's just he's frozen in a with Elvis and Walt. Yeah, exactly. They're all three of them frozen there, waiting to reclaim their rightful place above the fire station on Main Street. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird triumvirate. Yeah, it's like the film Tomorrowland, you know, where you have what was it Edison and who else was meant to be using the Eiffel Tower as a rocket ship? That was the plot Tesla, of Tomorrowland, right? Or to... Yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. that was, was They I went all... to Tomorrowland from... Were That's also high? the story of like Men in Black International, right? So. Were we high when we watched... I feel like someone was high. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what weed smells like, so it can't have been me. But I, so I, well, yeah. my, you know, Something about the way in which I've just remembered what I think is the plot of Tomorrowland. I mean... Well, it's somewhere, a small world was also a somewhere. journey to Tomorrowland, right? So, yeah, I guess somewhere between that plot, that script being written, and me watching the film, weed was involved at some point because I, you know the, the very idea of uh, some of the history's greatest minds teaming up to use the Eiffel Tower as a rocket ship. Uh, was it, that really it, what it was the like plot? a teleportation. It was teleportation rather than a rocket ship, I think. Oh, was it? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's been a long time since we did those theme park film reviews, so my memory of some of them is a little bit foggy. I I really like Tomorrowland up to the point where the story like gets to the point. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you mean. Uh, that yeah. is a good way of putting it, of putting it. Actually, yeah, the setup to Tomorrowland is actually quite good. And it's a really nice looking film, and yeah. you know. Now I'm not just talking about gorgeous George, uh, but then yeah, the plot starts, and <laughs> that's where the problems began. That plot, yeah. that damn plot. Anyway, uh, theme park news, I guess. What are they? Uh, theme parks? Uh, they're these overpriced places that people go and get mad and. Spend too well, much money. If you want to talk about and... overpriced, Tom, uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah, so this this has kind of snuck up on me a little bit that the, that this is basically imminent and that embargoes have have gone up today as of recording for members of the press and the media and influencers and whoever else who were invited to go and check it out. So there's been a ton of coverage that's dropped on YouTube and various other places, and we've both watched some some first-person accounts of what that place is like. I think it looks kind of like... It looks kind of like a hellscape, Josh. 
Oh, God, I've got to a point where they've got... Oh, spo- oh I can't spoil it. It feels wrong to spoil it. I've had the video going this whole time, Tom, and uh, I've got to a kind of a climax of the uh, whole thing. And Do we get like an I am your father moment at the uh, at the end of every Star Wars cruise? Is that how it works? We dig out some birth certificates? I, I guess it's, it's along those lines, but I uh, think First Order, not... Uh, the Empire. Right. Hmm. Do they do something like on the Star Tours ride where they identify a spy among the the, the guests? Well, I, I think uh, from what I can tell, so the video I've been watching and I think you've been watching, Tom, uh, is kind of out of order So because I had like, so many people there that they did it in separate um, rooms at the same time. So all of these segments are out of order. But I think... There are points where you do First Order things. There are points where you do Rebel Alliance things. Um, or resistance not, things. Resistance things, right? Yeah, sorry. Um, I forget they changed the name of the Rebel Alliance for no real reason in the sequels. Um, <clears throat> and th- this ends with, uh, I guess, an element of the ending of all three of those films. Master Yoda? What's he doing here? Master Yoda is in the end of the Star Cruiser, is he? Yeah. I think he's a ghost. He's a false ghost. Oh, okay. Fine. Um, Yeah. Um, I mean, that feels a bit like, well, a bit like a panicky cop-out because I, I I feel like when Galaxy's Edge was in the, in kind of the conceptual stage and the idea of it being pitched as this super immersive land that was going to be set within the continuity of the sequels and but wouldn't contradict those so it was designed in a way where you could turn up experience your own Star Wars story in a way that felt consistent with the films Mm. I think because, and look, you never know, we might look back on this in 20 years and there'll be a generation of people that grew up with the sequels that start to re-paint the narrative around them in the same way that that has happened with the prequels. Although, let me be clear, despite how I kind of feel about the sequels at this point, I do think they are better films probably yeah they are they are better films than the prequels but that last one was just so so offensive to my very existence that i i think think incredibly ill of them at this point as a as a collective i think they're they're uh poor ideas executed quite well whereas this prequels are good ideas executed poorly um, I would say. Sure, I could go with that. Yeah, I can go with that. Anyway, I think that, yeah, conceptually, the pitch for Galaxy's Edge made sense, but because I do think that the sequels were so divisive at best overall, and some people bear genuine ill will to them, I think there's, at this point, some frustration with the fact that Galaxy's Edge is intrinsically tied to them, and especially mm. given that, I mean, to me anyway, 
I've definitely said to you before, I don't know if I've said on the podcast itself, but part of the reason that my, I think, I think my interest in Star Wars would, would all, would eventually have been revived anyway, but I really didn't want, I felt like I wanted nothing to do with Star Wars after that last movie. But then it just so <laughs> happened one. that it was kind of instantly followed up almost by the Mandalorian and the, and the Clone Wars final season and so i was kind of given this instant hit of good star wars that kind of made me sort of fall in love with it again every time i think i'm out they pull me back in exactly but but then if i want to go to the star wars theme park land none of that better more recent star wars stuff is particularly represented you know i can't meet ahsoka i can't meet the mandalorian and i think when you, you consider can Star Wars, I can meet Ray Star Wars, but most, I think most sort of most unforgivable of all, and I don't just mean that from a like, oh, the fans want to see him, but even from like a cynical corporate point of view, like how is how are the men in the suits that run this whole thing not realizing this? The fact that you can't, as far as I am aware, meet Baby Yoda at Galaxy's Edge because it is intrinsically tied to the sequel movies. Is kind of crazy. So the idea that Yoda turns up at the end of the Galactic Star Cruiser seems to me like almost uh, a recognition of of that problem. Being like, oh, damn, we better throw in some Star Wars that people actually like on this thing, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Chewie's here. Chewie is here. That is true. Chewie is the one constant. Um, um. Yeah. They've they've got um they have got a race Star Wars that turns up. Uh she I'm I'm gonna say this now, she is the worst looking race Star Wars out of all of the uh race Star Wars they have working at the park. Oh brutal. Yeah. So and you should uh, we should stress by the way, just in case that sounds weird to people. <laughs> I think you mean in terms <laughs> of her Yeah, in terms uh, of her look likeness to Daisy Ridley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said, I feel like if I came across Ray at Galaxy's Edge, I would just get angry about the Palpatine plot twist all over again. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> you're a Palpatine, aren't you? Get out of my face. Yes, uh... I'm quite impressed. There, there are some characters here. Uh, I think we've seen them in the uh, pre-release stuff who are in makeup. And I guess they're going to have to wear makeup for... Three, two to three days, however long this. Because I, I assume, like, so the captain, for example, is a uh, blue-faced uh, female alien. Um, so I assume you, you're going to have to get the same actor in for the whole three days. Otherwise, it's going to be a bit weird, right? I guess so. And what do they all? Do they? I mean, I assume at night time, uh, are there many? Are there many staff on hand while guests are? Meant to be asleep, or well, it's, it's all uh, yeah. So there are uh, generic staff, which I guess they can just rotate in on in and out, and then you've got like the main character staff, I guess. Yeah. So do they? Be, do, you think, do you think they have the shifts? Faces. They must do, right? Like they work a nine to five, or you know whatever makes sense in the context of yeah. the itinerary, and then they That's... they probably swan off and aren't even staying on site when they're not working, right? They. And then they come back the yeah, following but, morning, well, and but the guests are none the wiser. 
but the captain, the captain's a captain, right? You would assume that the captain is is there, has to like at least pretend to be there the whole time, and has to be the same captain all day, every day for the whole of the cruise. And you know, after your three day cruise, you can get a new, a new captain in for the next cruise, but um, you you but you you know, you're going to be in that blue face for you know nine till nine shift i would imagine <laughs> maybe you get a lunch break but don't be ridiculous these people work for disney they're getting six bucks an hour if they're lucky and they do not get a lunch break <laughs> <laughs> and if they do they they just get some blue milk and a ronto wrap yeah fizzy blue milk though there's mm. that's one of the options you can get on this uh cruise which is lovely i guess yeah yeah I maintain that the Wookiee cookie looks delightful, but none of that other Star Wars food is particularly appealing to me. One of the Ronto wraps actually looks quite good. I think it's the breakfast one. But mm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, none of the other Star Wars food is really speaking to me. And I can be a bit of a sucker for theme park food, but this Star Wars stuff, I mean, what do they say? Uh, you do a good amount of the eating with your eyes. And uh, yes, on that front, a lot of this stuff just does not appeal. I have to agree. Um, it's a shame, but I have to agree. Hmm. I mean, what are your kind of overall thoughts on what you've seen of the Galactic Star Cruise? I mean, for what it's worth, I, we will seek to have someone on the show in the next week or two who's who's been and can give us, you know, a far more informed view of what it's all like and and their take on it. Uh, some fine folk who've been on the show before are among those who've had the chance to check it out already. So it'd be good to get. Uh, one or more of them back on, but yeah, just based on the coverage you've seen. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's hard to give it its full, uh, f- you know, fair shot through this stuff, obviously, because uh, it is all broken up, it's not in the correct order, etc. Uh, etc. Et I think once you get uh, somewhat, once you can go through the whole thing in the correct order, I think it will shine better because they'll be able to tell the story better than on these uh, sort of quasi press events mm. but uh, i don't know i don't know it's a lot of money isn't it <laughs> yeah it's a lot of money. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's is it up to six grand or can it be more than that even for a cabin it's, uh i think it can be more than that right blimmin hell yeah but the the prices i've seen they are per cabin, correct? They're not per guest, or uh, per... yeah, that's for a family of four, I believe. Right. My goodness! Um, but the price does go up from there. That's mad. I thought I'd seen prices as low as four, but maybe <laughs> as low. I as think that's for like a couple. A cut. Right. That's okay, four. that makes sense. Yeah, your romantic yeah. cruise away on the Galactic Star <laughs> the Galactic Cruiser. Star Cruiser. Mm. But then there's like things that were shown off when they first showed off uh, Galaxy's Edge, like the uh, droids, the automated droids that are going to be you know, walking around or rolling around, um, character integrate, uh, interactions and some of, the, some of the food options, that sort of thing, were shown off back when Galaxy's Edge was there. And now it's all locked behind a six grand paywall. <laughs> yeah, that is some of the narrative I've seen around this is, yeah, I think it's fair to say some of the more hardcore Disney theme park fans out there who have pointed that out and said, hey, you know, a lot of this was part of the original pitch for Galaxy's Edge. And 
now you've got to pay extra to experience it. I mean, do you place much stock in that? I think without me going to Galaxy's Edge myself, it's hard for me to really say. And, and he, there's part of me that's like, you know, things change in you know almost all projects. The original, original plan and everything you might hope something might be is unlikely to come to fruition in that exact way. Ultimately, if I yep. turn up to Galaxy's Edge for the first time in a couple of months and think it's fantastic, you know, am I going to care that there's no lightsaber fight every half an hour on the roof for, you know, a, dozens of droids rocking about independently? Probably not, because, I, I mean, from what I've seen of Galaxy's Edge, even without that stuff being there, it's not like there's an absence of things to do or things to see or ways to immerse yourself in that land. I think yeah, it's sure. I think it's easy for people who, you know, and, and you know, I am guilty of this as well, but it's easy for people to, who, who are really immersed and engaged with Theme Park New Cycle to become so cynical about it that they completely lose sight of all the good things that they that they do offer and all the things that they do well. And and sometimes I think it's even worse for someone like me who is very engaged with the news cycle and everything that's happening without being able to experience a lot of it myself. And mm. what I'm hoping for and kind of kind of expecting because I you know, one thing that always does happen to me really at theme parks is that I do completely lose myself to them and I have a great time and I find myself you know smiling like a doofus for most of the time i'm at the theme parks and i'm expecting that and certainly hope that that's the case when i turn up at galaxy's edge and i certainly won't be feeding into the narrative of oh there were meant to be you know 47 different r2 units rocking around and there's actually only one and 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 there's only one bb8 it's a disgrace that is a disgrace, Tom. You should you should write to someone about that. Maybe I should. Yeah, yeah. What one BBA is is at least seven too few. I would say. Yeah. Get get max get me maximum BB8s. Mm. But really, I mean, uh, they can have as many droids yeah. as they like. I just want to see the baby. <laughs> Let me see the baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Tom. I think. Actually, like some of this looks really awesome, and um, if you're willing to spend that money on it, then I think you will get that. You will get the value that you put into it in a way. You know, if you you spend six grand to go, uh, I think you'll get in your head six grand's worth of entertainment. Um, I, you know, I'm not willing to spend six grand, so I don't think it's for me it wouldn't be six grand's worth of entertainment but for someone who's willing to do that then i think you get the experience that you want out of it and you'll love it and rave about it for ever i think i i I think so i mean maybe this is a little unfair but i almost see it as well look if you knowingly uh pay let's say six grand to go and do this thing i mean no responsible person is going to pay six grand for something that they're going in blind on right so yeah to an extent you should before you book this have a fairly solid idea of what you're getting in for and whether or not you're going to enjoy it so with that in mind if you then still pay up six grand to go and have a terrible time and come out hating it and picking holes in everything about it i would argue that 
subconsciously or not, you probably went in willing and ready to have that attitude anyway. And yep. And and those kinds of people are the ones that feed all these really just tiresome narratives around things online. Like all fandoms have these kinds of toxic elements to them and and the theme park industry is absolutely no different so yeah i think you're 100 percent right i think the vast majority of people who decide this is something they want to spend four to six grand on will have a really good time because if they're responsible they've done their research and said that looks awesome i will pay this crazy amount of money to do this um and yeah they'll have fun for sure yeah 100 uh, percent and there are some really great. I mean, there are going to be some really great moments in that that you're going to remember for the rest of your life, and um, I, I and I look forward to people enjoying those moments. Oh, that's that is very that is a very nice thing to say. Well, I'm trying my best these days. Some I've been, uh, John and I were uh, Debbie Downers a bit on uh, about story living by Disney, so I'm um, uh, with, with everything going on right now. I felt like I should try and. Uh, Flip that frown upside down. <laughs> yeah, this story living by Disney, so obviously I wasn't here last week. Is this then basically trying to finally make good on all those Disney village concepts that you see on the way out of Space Mountain? In... <laughs> is that where you see those models at Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland, or is it when you're on the the blue train? Uh, I forget. It is. It, it, or it was at least coming out of Space Mountain. I don't know if it's still there maybe it's maybe it's both they might have got taken out um is it that i don't know uh some people have likened it to celebration which john and i mentioned that last week but i think it's more like golden oaks john and i both agree it's more like golden oaks golden oaks is a really expensive private residential estate um this is going to be very much of the same ilk very expensive very exclusive um this first one is in an area uh, near palm springs which is for which is generally like a retirement town these days, and this Disney location is going to be all the same. So this is not to Disneyland what the Ebbsfleet Garden City is to the London Resort. Is that is that what you're telling me? Uh, that yes, that is what <laughs> I'm telling you. Although I would argue that the Ebbsfleet Garden City is uh, still far too expensive. Yeah, I can't say I've looked to be honest much recently but uh, I think chances are that if you're a new house up for sale in Britain you are overpriced yeah doesn't matter where you are or how much you cost no for sure yeah I'm going to be disappointing here I'm not sure I really have a view on this to be honest it's uh, as with all newly announced Disney projects the concept art is beautiful and sure is. we will just have to wait and see how close the final product resembles this concept art. Uh, I assume you, I assume that you don't have to, <laughs> you have to live in character for the rest of your life if you're moving to, uh, yeah, this Disney uh, village, like a like a true di- uh, Disney nightmare or. A- was it, there's like TV shows or like, it's like an episode of the Twilight Zone almost yeah 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 it's like uh, like WandaVision you find out that yeah. someone's actually just generated this fake image of the perfect town 
and everyone who moves in is actually unknowingly walking into this just massive mind control field <laughs> i don't know i i guess given the enormous consolidation that that is going on in in all industries and how eventually everything is going to be owned by like six enormous conglomerates i guess it's inevitable mm. that disney being one of those likely uh, mega corps that will run the world uh, it makes sense that they would diversify their portfolio like in my mind i'd love it if disney just concentrated on making great films and maintaining great theme parks i don't feel like the world needs disney to get into property but well, you know they're going to do it as they swallow more and more companies and get bigger and bigger yeah. and they're going to need to uh to branch out think, and, and it won't just I be think about they're going to offload it they're going to offload it to a separate firm i'd imagine right um once it's all set up to so like to manage and whatever but and then they'll just like kind of license out the the rights i guess so yeah but um but it's still the case that yeah i, I feel like i feel like in society generally we're at a point and i don't know I mean, it depends on your politics doesn't it whether or not well which way round you feel like this should be it's like companies are getting bigger and bigger and swallowing more and more of their respective industries and different industries to just become these all-seeing, all-doing, all-conquering conglomerates that can offer to manage uh, and indulge different parts of our lives uh, without us necessarily even needing to ever consider another company again. Like, remember when Amazon was just like, yeah, we'll sell you some books and now it's like, oh, uh, yeah, we'll also uh, we'll also be your film platform of choice and your TV platform of choice and deliver everything that you could possibly need. Uh, yeah, it's and, got to a point where it's actually hard to buy things elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. So you've got companies going that route and then you've got governments, certainly here in the UK, I think, you know, it's sort of COVID obviously changed things. Uh, whether it's a long-term trend, we don't know. But generally speaking, like, states are becoming smaller that's been the trend over the last like couple of decades is um is governments like ours uh washing their hands of responsibilities and and allowing the private sector to take on more and more um i wonder why that would be why would that be i wish i knew but i guess we'll just have to leave it to our imagination as i said my overall thought on this is i don't care that Disney are getting into property, whether or not they, you know, end up licensing it out or whatever. By the end, I, I don't. This is not a branch of the Disney company that interests me, and yeah, I would much rather, <laughs> I would much rather Disney uh, concentrate on what they've traditionally been good at because that's why people, you know, fell. It sounds cheesy to say about a company, obviously, but that's why people fell in love with with disney in the first place you know people fall in love with with companies because of uh what they create and the impact it has on their lives and i just i just don't care for this kind of stuff really oh uh, yeah yeah I, you know what i would prefer to concentrate on josh is uh hot new movies like the haunted mansion reboot oh boy yeah 
Uh, Give me some of that, please. They've, they've dated it. They've dated oh. it. It's coming out on March 10th of 2023. So just over so a year. That's, that's around the corner. Yeah, it's not far off. It's not far off. So just as a reminder, this stars Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, uh, Danny DeVito, Lakeith Stanfield and Rosario Dawson. Uh, so, you know, a solid and varied cast, I would say. Yeah, it's a mad cast. But yeah. up for it. Yeah, I'm intrigued by how this may go, how it may turn out. Obviously, Jungle Cruise came out last year and was fun enough. Do you reckon that the yep. uh, the dream of a thing park cinematic universe is potentially real here, Josh? Are we going to get some oh, Jungle Cruise tie-ins? Imagine, imagine. I Ima- think imagine indeed. They, they should make a theme park cinematic universe and then tie it all into the MCU. <laughs> well, you know, it feels to. I mean, with Doctor Strange two, the pitch basically seems to be where all the movies. You know. <laughs> It's like the Who Framed yeah, Roger Rabbit of Marvel. Just, like, pull everything in. Which is... Uh, that's a thing as well, right? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? There's a... Uh, they're doing... Are they not? Are they? Are they remaking Who Framed no, Roger there, Rabbit? No, there's like a... Oh. Uh, I think he's back in the... Al- uh, is it the... Not Alvin. Um, the Chipmunks. Chippendale. There's a Chippendale thing coming out. Is there? Yeah. yeah. Right. This is news. Tom's to been me. on holiday. He doesn't know anything going on. No, I guess not. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Okay. Twenty twenty two, and basically they're doing a Who Framed Roger Rabbit slash Space Jam, uh, the second Space Jam, uh, kind of thing. So you got a. Uh, Roger Rabbit's in there, Scrooge McDuck's in there, um, other a load of other characters. Uh, it's a Disney Plus thing that's coming out. Uh, I'm sure that they even make a gag in the trailer, at least, about making a terrible uh, like remake with loads of other characters from other stuff in it. It's, 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 I'm going to watch it. I, I mean, it's tough <laughs> not to. But. Of course you are. Uh, and so will yeah. I. Yeah, there's like, you know, John Mulaney's in it, Andy Samberg, Will Arnett, Eric Banner, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons. Love me some J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I mean, um, all of, I, like, I love all of those people. Yes, yes. I think J.K. Simmons, JK Simmons stands, is playing TBA. Stands head and, head and shoulders. I love TBA. He's yeah. one of my favourite characters across all media. Paul Abdul's playing herself, as you do. Uh, the uh, the Haunted Mansion film, by the way, so read out the cast there. It's directed by Justin Simeon, uh, who has previously done Dear White People, which I believe was uh, well received. I've, oh, I've like, not seen it. I liked Dear White People. Uh, m- more recently, he did Bad Hair, which is a Hulu film. Both of those are what kind of pictures being like dark satirical comedies. So maybe that gives us uh, an idea of what they might be going for with the Haunted Mansion. Uh, he's also going to be the showrunner yeah. on Lando, the uh, the Disney Plus series, which I, I think is going to star Donald Glover. 
as oh, is it? Lando. That's I cool. think so. I, I was going to ask, is that, does that have Donald Glover? Uh, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, look, I love Billy D. Williams, but would I watch a would I watch a series about old man Billy D. as Lando? <laughs> well, yes, he, I would. I like, would do that. But should that exist? He's he's just like a, the old guy in Lethal Weapon. There was one more thing that I don't feel super qualified uh, to to really talk about in great detail, but it has been... Is it theme parks? <laughs> yes, it is theme parks. Um, no. Uh, it, oh. it is uh, some backlash that Disney, and I think in, in fairness Universal have been getting as well, uh, on their stance, or, or I guess it's more fair to say lack of stance, on this controversial bill that's just been passed in Florida, uh, which has been dubbed the, the Don't Say Gay Bill. Have you heard about this? Oh, I have heard about this, yes. Yeah, so it's legislation that bans the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in primary school. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it passed in the uh, Florida House of Representatives, which means that it now obviously goes through to the... Uh, Senate, and uh, yeah, there's been uh, people have been pointing out that Disney, you know, obviously being, I, I think the biggest employer in in the state of Florida, and by that I'm sure we'll have an enormous number of you know LGBTQ employees, and probably uh, tries at least to to pr- project. The idea that they are that they you know they have their backs and that they will speak up for them, uh, but uh, people have been pointing out that Disney have donated to every single sponsor and co-sponsor of this bill, uh, and like I say, they're not alone in that, uh, and I believe that the, the same accusations have been levied at at Comcast. I mean, on, on the one hand, is it any surprise, really? You know, companies like, well, all companies really are just massive walking contradictions. Uh, they will say what needs to be said. They will tweet what needs to be tweeted to present a, a vision of themselves that they'd like people to think uh, is, is kind of true to uh, the morals of the company. But uh, yeah. th- this kind of stuff it, it goes on in the background is is probably more representative of the type of company that they actually are. Uh, and it just ultimately depends how much public pressure uh, maybe forces them to change. But no sign of that at the moment. I just thought it was worth raising. Issues such as this, you know, social justice issues such as this, Disney uh, have not necessarily covered themselves in glory over the last couple of years. We spoke at length during the worst of the pandemic about... Uh, you know the employment rights of cast members and and the way they were treated at points, and I, I think this kind of feeds into that to an extent as well. It's like, you know, they, they they talk the talk on some of this stuff, but they don't walk the walk, Josh. Uh, no, um, yeah, uh, it it doesn't surprise me that this is a bill that uh could be put in place, um. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that uh, Disney has backed uh, representatives that have 
approved this bill. Um, you can't trust companies to do what's in your best interest. They will always do what is in their best interest. That is true. That is true. But, you know, then they'll dangle an Obi-Wan show in front of my eyes and I'll follow them to the ends of the earth like a sucker. Uh, yeah, and then um, yeah, and then, then there may well be, uh, probably is, going to be LGBTQ characters in some of those shows. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Hopefully they'll get a bit more screen time then. Uh... And there was it was it that last was that another thing people were mad about in that last Star Wars movie I think it was I think they spoke pre-release about we're going to have the first LGBT characters in Star Wars or something and there was like a two second shot of two women kissing uh, yeah which was you know irrelevant to the plot in any way and so short and well, yeah well you know, I that think it could be lot, cut out for China it, you know a lot of people had it in their heads that it was going to be um Poe and uh what's his name? Um the irrelevant character. Finn. Uh Finn, yeah. The comedy act. Uh and that which was never gonna happen, unfortunately. Um so that was kind of I think, you know, led to the backlash being more significant there. But of course it was gonna be a minor thing that could be cut out for China because why wouldn't it? Indeed. Indeed. Well. I was trying to be all upbeat, Tom, and you brought me down with politics. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do you want to talk about Galaxy's Edge again? Or the the Galactic Star Cruiser, rather? Do you want to... Or, or anything that makes you happy, Josh? Funiculars? Hastings? Oh, end Hastings. on a high. Oh. Parkrush Podcast, brought to you by Hastings. You wish. Oh, uh, yeah. Sea Life Centre... Two funiculars, castle ruins, smugglers' caves. You got the lot. Hastings. <laughs> what more could you want? Uh, if you actually want to sponsor the show, email us at podcast at parkrush.com. Yes, absolutely. You can also tweet us at Parkrush Podcast. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already on your preferred podcasting app, or check out every episode and send us a voice message at parkrush.com. See you again next time. Take it easy out there. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>